Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Dave Ferguson, and uh, I'm the lead pastor, which just means I get to oversee um, all 12 of our locations across the city and suburbs of Chicago. And um, I just got back. It's really good to be back. I, I don't know if you know that, but I was, I was actually in Europe for a couple weeks uh, working with leaders in Germany there. And I just wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could have taken every one of you with me so you could see the impact that you're making in other places around the world. Um, but I also heard that while I was away, that we had an awesome Sunday last Sunday. 80 people were baptized here, 120 across all of our locations. Is that right? <laughs> Woo! That was so awesome. And I guess we had about, I guess we're about 1,000 more people last Sunday than we had before we ever moved into this space, which is also awesome. And I was telling some of the staff, I'm going like, maybe I should just stay away more often. <laughs> So good, good stuff. I'll tell you, here's where we're going to go today, and it's a little bit different, because um, I want to share some things with you in person. I'm actually sharing by video with the rest of the, rest of the, rest of the church, all of our locations, and um, some things I've also shared with leadership over the last several weeks. And so for some of you that are in leadership, this will be a little bit redundant, but I want to do this on purpose, because I think it's very important that we move together forward um, as one. Um, I'm convinced that as a church, we're on the verge of something extraordinary. Um, now, ordinary is something you see every day. Extraordinary, that is something special. And I think we know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary the moment we see it. Ordinary. Extraordinary. Ordinary. What a spectacular move! Extraordinary. That could be the greatest move I've ever seen. <laughs> Hello from the other side. Ordinary. I must have called a thousand times. Extraordinary. No, seriously, you can't clap for that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, whether you've been a part of community for the last year or the last 27 years, it's been by God's grace, and he has been so, so, so good to us, that we have been a part of something absolutely extraordinary. And, um, and I want you to think of community. When you think of community, maybe just think of community um, kind of like this. Think of community as a family tree. It started in Naperville with a few friends, mostly from college. It branched out to Romeoville, and then another branch in Montgomery, and extended itself into the active adult community in Carillon. The family tree began to grow to Shorewood, a second location in Naperville downtown, and then a branch in East Aurora, and another branch in Yorkville, and an extension in Plainfield and also Lamont. And then what started in the suburbs found its way into the city, in the Lincoln Square neighborhood, and most recently a branch in Lincoln Park. One church family with 12 locations, more than 15,000 people who call community their church home. This is our family tree. And I'll tell you what, when you think about extraordinary, okay, 
Your, story, your, okay, your extraordinary impact has gone even beyond Chicagoland. It was about a decade ago that we started something called New Thing. We began to plant and start and grow churches just like community, both locally and globally. And so what started in Chicago began to grow, really, well, all across North America, where there are now 92 churches that we've helped start across the United States. But not only that, it began to grow beyond that, and there are eight churches now in Western Europe. There are 17 churches in South, Af- South America. We continue to reproduce 86 churches in Sub-Saharan Africa. In Southeast Asia, 21 churches are part of New Thing. 43 churches that are a part of, in Eurasia. In total, 267 churches and close to three-quarters of a million people that are part of this movement called, uh, that are all about helping people find their way back to God. And I'll tell you what, I want want to make this really clear. This mission that we're on together, I feel like God's called us on together, is not a mission that's just about big, and it's not just about numbers. Okay, and let me remind you, there is so much work to be done. We live in a world that doesn't even get to experience the ordinary. We live in a world that, that, that endures painful images like this without easy answers. 60 million people that are refugees around the globe people who have no home that are now calling this the greatest global crisis since World War II. We live in a world of fear and terror where sometimes we're afraid to send our own kids to school. We live in a world where, where evil actually perpetrates and enters in, into our sanctuaries. But the good news is, and never forget this, with God's spirit in us, we are God's people. And we have the opportunity to bring change because never forget this is, not, this is not how God meant for the world to be. And it always comes back to people. How do we help people find their way back to God? Because when you help people find their way back to God, their life change, right? Their families change. When you help people find their way back to God, their businesses change, schools change, communities change, the whole world changes. And as God's people, we have the extraordinary hope that the rest of the world is looking for. And let me just give you some examples of some people that kind of some fruit that's been born on the tree of our our own family tree. I want you to meet uh, Tyler and Candace Heyman. Tyler grew up in a home that was filled with fighting and animosity. When Tyler's dad gave up on his marriage and his family, that's when Tyler gave up on God. Candace, she inherited this view of God that was always and forever disappointed in her. The very thought of God left her worrisome and anxious. It was when their preschool son that you see here, Dakota, one day at home, he asked the question, he says to them, who is God? Who's God? They began their search once again, and someone invited them to the community. It was a community that discovered a God who loves them and a God who offers them a peace that can get them through any circumstance. They're now serving our student community. They're also apprentice leading in small groups. I was with them in December, and they said, we want to spend the rest of our lives helping other people find their way back to God. Let me tell you another story about Elisa. Elisa here, one of four kids in a single-parent home in an economically challenged neighborhood. But again, it was you people, it was community, that you gave her not just a handout but a hand up. When she was in second grade, it was Miss Sue and the Brady Book Club that we sponsored that helped her learn how to read. It was throughout elementary school that she was a part of our Kid City Tuesday program, and she came to know a loving God for the first time. When we planted a campus in East Aurora, she developed a positive peer group. And then in the wintertime, she'd go to blast, right? Blast. And she renew those friendships with other high schoolers. This little girl here today, Elisa, she's a senior in high school. 
She's the captain of the dance team. She's on the principal's advisory council, and she serves as the senior class president. And here's what she told us. She said, after college, I want to be a teacher or a nurse, and I want to be a positive influence examples for others back in my neighborhood. I want more of that. Let me tell you about Tommy Bowman. Tommy was a guy who, like many of you who came in here, he literally was sitting in the back row. Okay, For some of you who were sitting in the back row. <laughs> he sitting in the back row, and it was like it was a few weeks ago when we were commissioning some people to go plant churches. This time it was Troy and Janet McMahon. We were sitting in Kansas City. Tommy's thought was, oh, good for them. I hope that works out well. What he didn't know was a year later, he'd be moving to Kansas City to help them start that church. He went there as a part of their team. Two years into it, he began to think, you know what? Maybe, maybe I could plant a church. So this church that we commissioned, Community Christian Church, commissioned uh, Restore Church that started. They now have three locations with 1,000 people. Tommy was a part of that. He comes back to Roselle. We helped support them, as did Restore Church. He planted Mission Church, which now is reaching 500-plus people every weekend. This last, just about three months ago, they commissioned a brand-new church to go to West Chicago called Renewal Church, and they're off and running. When you talk about bearing fruit, look at this here. Community Christian Church reproduces, we plant Restore Church. Restore Church then plants Mission Church, and Mission Church then plants Renewal Church. What you see there, that's just a glimpse. Please get this. That's a glimpse of what a movement looks like. And we need to do that over and over and over and over and over again. And I want you to get something here. This is, I think, really important at the outset of this series. What God did is he took something ordinary. Me, all of you, us together. And by him working in us and through us, he did something, I mean, absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. And I was reminded again by German leaders uh, just this last week. <laughs> now, here's the deal, and this is the exciting news. I believe God has given us the opportunity to once again do something extraordinary, and that's what we're calling this initiative One. All right? So just say that after me, would you? One. That's exactly right, One. And this One is going to be a two-year initiative. When we were looking at this over the next couple of years, we were anticipating that from all of our locations, we'd have a budget somewhere in the neighborhood of around $18 million dollars. We would like to raise an additional $8 million for a total of $26 million over the next two years. And if you're going, okay, well, that's a lot of money. Why? I want you to think about those three stories I just told you. We want to reach thousands of more people like Tyler and Candace. We want to bring restoration to more neighborhoods like the neighborhood that Elisa lives in. And we want to reproduce more campuses and more churches like community, both locally and globally. Now, when you think about this one initiative, okay, it's based on the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 32 to 35, and uh, I've asked some of our friends from around community to kind of just read that scripture for us, and you just let it sink in. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one, no one claimed, claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything, but they, shared everything they had. With great power, With great the power, the apostles continued to testify to, to the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. All right, when I read that scripture. All right. The question always comes, okay, what did those ordinary people back then in the first century, what did those ordinary people do to allow God to work both in them but also through them in such extraordinary ways? 
And I think the author, Luke, I think he tells us here in Acts 4.32, he says this, the whole congregation of believers, they were united as one, one heart and one mind. See, the early church, this is one of the key things, we got to get this, they saw themselves as one. They, 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 came from, they met in different places, they reached out to different people they, in, in different contexts, but they all saw themselves supporting each other as one church family. Um, easy question here, we'll just a little participation. How many of you, um, how many of you would say you understand and you believe, I'll just put it this way, you believe and you recognize God as Heavenly Father? God is Heavenly Father, all right? Very good, all right? Now here's what I'd like for you to do. I want to introduce you to somebody. God is your father. This is your family. This is your family. I'll tell you what, do me a favor. Just turn to a couple people and say, hello, brother. Hello, sister. Did you know we're family? Did you know we're family? (laughs) And here's something else you should know. We actually, we are blessed in community to actually have a rather large family, okay? It's actually larger than just the service. It's even larger than just the yellow box. We have 12 locations across the Chicago land area. And this, is, and this is exactly the way, the same way it was with the early church. These believers from different cities and different neighborhoods and met in different houses. The believers were one in heart, one in mind. They were one. And, and so as I'm talking to you, I want you to know we're also saying this to all of our locations across Chicagoland, that we've got to start seeing ourselves as one church family. One church family. Community. We exist in the city, but we also exist in the suburbs as one church family. We now exist, and I'm, I am so excited, increasingly diverse. We're red, yellow, black, white, brown. It's one church family. We have some folks who have a lot and some folks who have a little, but we are one church family. Now, if you really get that, that we're one family, one church family, this oneness, how did it express itself? How did it reveal itself? The primary way it revealed itself was through generosity. And when you think about generosity, what generosity really is, it's just kind of like, God's love inside of you, put to work. It's love, put to work. Check this out. Luke says this um, in in Acts 4.32. He says this. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. Nobody said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. Everything. Because they were family. Some of the most radically, uh, probably generous people in my life... um, we're probably Sue's folks, uh, Walt and Lola Linville. And uh, this, this past week um, marked the, the two-year anniversary of, uh, well, two years since Sue's, Sue's mom passed away. And uh, when, we didn't, when we didn't have, um, I don't know, you call it two nickels? Maybe it's two pennies to rub together. <laughs> you know, they made sure that we got a little extra money so we could buy a minivan so their grandkids would be safe. <laughs> And when we outgrew that apartment on Whispering Hills Drive, okay, because we, you know, were having babies, they gave us a little extra to make sure we could make a down payment so we could get in the first, our first house. And, uh, and because God kind of blessed them, they even put a little aside so that the kids, here's a little extra for the kids so when they get ready to go to college. Why did, why, why did Walt and Lola do that? Let me ask you this. How many of you got money for a minivan or a house or, or a college uh, Funds from Walt Lola Linville. How many of you got it? Holy smokes, nobody? It was just me? <laughs> Somebody wants some. <laughs> you know why? We're family. We're family. And there's something different when you recognize that you're family. 
And I think what happens, if we continue to read here this radical generosity, look what it says. It says this. It says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. No needy persons among them. I want us to become that kind of a church. I want us to become that kind of church. Let, let me be real clear. I think in the next two years, if we take this on the way I want to see us take this on, I think God's going to work in, in a couple of extraordinary ways. First of all, God's going to go to work in us, every one of us individually. In us. When I mentioned that uh, the goal for this initiative is $26 million, I mean, that's a, that's a big number. That's a big number. That's a monetary goal. And here's the thing. That is not, hear me clearly on this, that is not the primary goal. The primary goal that I am praying for and our leadership is praying for is that 100% of the people at community will say, God is number one in my life. And if you look at Acts 4, it's interesting to me. It says God was so powerfully work in them all. Not 30%, not 50%, but 100%, all of them. And in my opinion, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a couple things that make you family. One, when you get born, you have a birth certificate, right? Oh, you must be family. It's on your birth certificate. And the second thing is that when you become an adult and you start taking care of everybody else in the family. That's a clear mark that we're family. And I think there's two marks spiritually, too. The first mark is when you get baptized. It's kind of like your birth certificate. But I think God's going to work in us and ask all of us to kind of grow up, especially those of us here at the Yellow Box, because we kind of started this whole thing. And he wants us to take on this family and to be spiritually mature and say, okay, you know what? No, I want to help support this family and help other people find their way back to God. And I want you to know, too, I mean, God's at work and challenging Sue and I to be more generous in a variety of ways. Um, it's God at work in us. Uh, on Wednesday, and uh, Sue's been championing this one, really. On Wednesday, um, somebody from Safe Families. How many of you are familiar with Safe Families? A few of you? Safe Families, what, they do, what Safe Families does is they, um, they work with Christian folks primarily to open up their homes to, to kids and parents that are in crisis. And, and you open up your home and you allow them just to stay there for sometimes as little as a few days, sometimes as long as a few months. And for us, with Caleb getting ready to graduate from high school, we're, we got a great home. And it says, no one said, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. We want to be like that. And uh, so that's something we're, we're going to take on because God's doing that in us. But when it comes to our finances, too, in this initiative, and as you guys are thinking about, okay, what part will I play in this church family, I want you to know that we will give more than we have ever given before. In fact, quite a bit more than we've ever given before. We're trying to figure out the exact amount because I, I, I've just kind of made a personal leadership commitment. I will never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. So as God's at work in you, ask, challenging you to be generous, I want you to know he's at work in me, and, and we're committed to doing exactly, exactly, exactly that. Now, you might, some of you might think, well, uh, someone proposed the idea, like, well, you, what was there? There was a lottery that we had, what was it, $1.2 billion a couple weeks ago? One, you know, and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you won the lottery, and you go, hey, guess what? I got $1.2 billion. Dave, I'm just going to write you a check for $26 million. We'll be done with this thing, <laughs> Right? And here's the deal. We wouldn't be done with this thing. Now, would I take your check? Yes, I would take your check. <laughs> we got to be honest, right? I'd take the check and I'd put it to work to help people find their way back to God. But we wouldn't be done with this thing because that's not the primary goal. The primary goal, because I'd only be like .0001% of the folks. How do we make sure everybody has made a commitment, okay, and made a real clear declaration to being generous to God's family? So God's going to work in us. The second thing, I think God's going to work through us. He's going to work through us. 
So myself and a few other staff from across the community, um, I've asked them to kind of explain in kind of real quick specifics, you'll get more information about this, about how I think God wants to work now through us over the next two years. At the end of this one initiative, when the two years is over, how do we see God working through us? I think it's a great question. Well, you can break this down into three different categories. Reach. We're reaching people far from God. And then restore. We're restoring God's dream to this world, bringing justice where there's injustice, righting the wrongs of this world. And then reproduce. Starting brand new campuses, brand new churches, both locally and globally. Let's start with the first one, Reach. Every week, Community has about 4,000 adults, 1,000 students, and 1,000 kids that we are reaching every week. People we are helping find their way back to God. And I believe that we will see that increase easily by 1,000 to 2,000 or more. How? The Plainfield and Shoreward campus will combine and move into a terrific 92,000 square foot facility. Opening in the fall of 2016, this facility is strategically located in the heart of Plainfield and will include a 900-seat auditorium for celebration services, concerts, and community events. 27,000 square feet of dedicated student and children's ministry space. And 42,000 square feet of recreational space, including an indoor soccer field, basketball and volleyball courts, and a walking track that will be available for the entire community. The opening of the new Plainfield facility will result in hundreds and eventually thousands of people finding their way back to God in the next decade. And we believe it will position community to provide significant people and financial resources to launch more campuses and churches. Additionally, we will invest in Naperville's Yellow Box Campus, which has been a catalyst for reproducing campuses and churches all over the world. Through the One Initiative, community will have the opportunity to continue that trajectory at an even greater pace by retiring debt, which will allow us to increase our investment reaching, restoring, and reproducing new churches and campuses. Just four years ago, community launched the Chicago Network, and as a result, hundreds of people now belong to two community campuses in both Lincoln Square and Lincoln Park, Old Town. And by investing in our Chicago campuses, we will increase our outreach efforts and make a strategic investment in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week facility for our Lincoln Park Old Town campus. This will give them much-needed visibility and permanency. Lastly, over the past few years, the Yorkville campus has seen rapid growth in their kids and student ministries. In fact, the Yorkville campus has the highest percentage of kids and students of any community location. This has resulted in the need to build out and reconfigure the existing 5,000 square feet of available space we currently own to welcome even more kids and families. Just our efforts under REACH will allow us to help one to 2,000 and maybe even more people find their way back to God. The second part of the initiative is Restore. Community will continue to bring restoration to neighborhoods and communities both locally and globally through Community 412, Compassion International, the Philippines Frontline Ministries, Benevolence, Keith Mart, Global Missions, Celebration Generosity, and our individual Campus Restore Ministry. Additionally, we want to make an investment in our Romeoville campus that will expand the outreach of our Children and Arts Center. This will significantly increase our ability to impact the hundreds of families that have children in the surrounding neighborhoods. Our plan is to complete construction in the lower level of the Children and Arts Center 
transforming it into a space for our Kids City ministry and expanding the weekday programming. And finally, we seek to reproduce in this initiative. Community will continue our aggressive generosity towards reproducing new churches and campuses. By continuing to support New Thing and expanding our leadership training center, we will be able to launch 10 new churches, some locally and some globally. One will give us the opportunity to launch two new campuses in the next couple years, starting with the Downers Grove campus in 2017, which we are very excited about. I believe these new churches and campuses alone will allow us to reach thousands of people who are far from God and help restore God's dream for the world. All right, now, I mean, candidly, some of you might be looking like, going like, wow, that's awesome. That is really awesome. And then there might be a part of you also going like, but, you know, hold it. It didn't sound like, didn't sound like there was a whole lot that the yellow box is getting this time. Um, I get that. There have been times in my life that I felt that way. Um, like the last six years when I've helped put two kids through college. <laughs> I think they had a great time. I'm not sure I got a whole lot out of it, (laughs) but that's the way it works with family, isn't it? That's the way it works. The family makes a sacrifice for the good of the family. I had a conversation, and I want to share this with you, that that really kind of changed things for me. I I was uh, in Southern California with some other church leaders, and we were having this conversation about why is it? Why is it the church isn't doing more extraordinary things across North America? What's holding it back? And one of the leaders there was a guy named Ryan Kwan. Ryan is a a second-generation Korean-American. And Ryan said something, I mean, it it has just stuck with me. And he said this, he said, I think the problem with a lot of churches is that deep, is is something deep within. And as he began to talk, we all kind of leaned in. And he said, let me tell you, before I became, before even, even before my dad became a believer, he taught me the value of the family win, he called it. He said, in our family, if, if the family didn't win, nobody won. It was always about the family win. And there was no win greater than the family win. He said, when my dad immigrated to the U.S. from Korea, despite being very well educated, my dad took a job as a maintenance guy at LAX airport cleaning bathrooms. Basically, he cleaned up other people's urine. Why? Why would he do that? Family win. He said, he said, he did it so my sister and I could have a better life, could have a better education, so our, so our family and even grandkids could win. And he said, later on growing up, sometimes I'd complain about doing chores or other things around the house, and my dad would say, ah, it's for the family win. And, he, and Ryan kind of went on and told story after story after story about the family win. And he said, I grew up knowing that the whole family, the whole family didn't win, that I didn't win, and there was no win outside the family win. And then Ryan finished, and he said this. He said, I think the problem with a lot of churches is that it's been too much about my church, my building, my program, my win. And then he paused, and he quoted Ephesians 2.19, and it says this. Listen, when you come into God's family, he says, you're no longer strangers. You're not outsiders. No, you're citizens together with God's people. You are members of God's, what's the word there? Say it. You're God's what? Say it again real loud. God's what? We're God's family. 
And it hit me. The churches that really do extraordinary things are those that always think about the family win, the kingdom win, not just what happens in this box, but the things that happen outside this box. And we're fortunate enough to have a big family that exists, in, yes, here in Naperville, but also Romeoville, Montgomery, and Carillon, and Shorewood. We've got a, a location that's meeting right in Wentz Hall, even as we speak right now, over in East Aurora, Yorkville, Plainfield, Lamont, in the city of Lincoln Square, and Lincoln Park. We are one family, one heart, one mind. One family who my prayer is this, that as we continue to expand, we will always think about how do we exist for the family win. And I think we're on the verge of something extraordinary. God's given us the opportunity to do extraordinary things both inside every one of us and also through us if we'll really grab a hold of this. And you may have came in here today feeling very, very ordinary. But I'm telling you what, I'll tell you what, if you'll let God work in you and then God work through you, as a part of this family, I'm telling you, we can do, we can do extraordinary things. I'm going to ask the ushers to uh, just to go ahead and come forward. They're waiting. We're going to have a time of communion. And as they pass out both the piece of bread that's a reminder of Christ's body and the cup that's a reminder of his blood, I want you to take a look at this, uh, this scripture here, Acts 4, 32. And just go ahead and hold on to that piece of bread and hold on to that cup. And I'd love for you just to use this moment to kind of, just kind of meditate on this. What does it mean for me to be a part of this kind of a family? How will I let God work in me and also through me? Let's just have a time of silence and kind of meditation on that while we pass out communion.